You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. I'm a sucker for a good movie trailer. Now, there's some upcoming blockbuster movie, and you see the trailer, which gives you some insight into what is coming. And it looks good, it looks exciting, looks like a movie you want to see. And at the end of the trailer, it says, Coming soon. You got to wait to see the movie. But I love a good movie trailer. Well, this past year, really this past September, our staff collaborated together on what we are calling the 12 Stones Initiative. And we gave out some shirts to the staff to wear with the logo 12 Stones Initiative. And here were the orders that came from our staff retreat. If someone asked you, what is the 12 Stones Initiative?, You say, coming soon. And so the idea has been to kind of get the idea out there that we're going to talk about some big things together at the beginning of this year, 2024. And we're calling those big things the 12 Stones Initiative. And to set the stage, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 20, Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. We're jumping in at the very end of a story, which we'll refer back to in a few moments. But Joshua chapter 4, verse 20, when you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God, living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Joshua Chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth, notice that phrase, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I am grateful for this opportunity to gather, Lord, to fellowship around your word, to experience the presence of the living God together as a faith family. It is good to be here today. It is good to fix our eyes upon Jesus. It is good to celebrate the gospel. And I pray, God, that as we study your word, as we think about 
our church and the future. That you would fill our hearts with faith. That as a result of what we are striving to accomplish by your grace and for your glory. Many, many people in this community and around the world would know of your might and your power and your grace. Well, thank you, Lord, for that work in our midst. God, we are mindful on this Sunday we worship in a free land. We're mindful that there is much going on around the world, a lot of unrest, places like Ukraine, the conflict with Russia. And Lord, even though the news cycle seems to move on in a sense, we know there is still much going on related to the nation of Israel. And we're reminded that you, you command us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So God, we pray for peace and resolution in those situations. God, your word tells us way back when you spoke to Abraham that those who curse your people will be cursed, but those who bless your people will be blessed. And God, we pray for the protection, the strength of your people during this time. We pray in the midst of the tumult, God, that you would open doors for the gospel so that people who are far from you can meet Jesus and be saved. So God, would you work in that situation? And Lord, there are some in this room today who are experiencing conflict in their heart or going through a difficult time, a time of unrest. God, I pray you would minister to them today. Encourage, strengthen, comfort. Help us in these moments. We need you. And we ask and pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you be seated? God promised to give his people, the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham, a land in which to dwell and thrive. God led them out of Egypt on the night of the Passover, which consequently was on the tenth day of the first month. The Bible tells us that the Jordan River was parted to allow God's people to come into the promised land on the tenth day of the first month. God's way of saying, I finish what I start. I come through on my promises. But God delivered the Hebrews from Egyptian bondage and slavery. And began to lead them towards the promised land. But in rebellious unbelief, the people refused to go into the promised land. So God led the nation of Israel around in the wilderness for 40 years until the unbelieving, rebellious generation died off. And after that happened, God raised up a new leader named Joshua, the successor to Moses to then lead the people into the promised land. One issue is that they had to cross a river, the Jordan River, who in this season uh, would flood its banks. This was a daunting task to get millions of people across this river. And so God, I believe partly to, to put a stamp of approval on the leadership of Joshua, 
just like he did when he parted the Red Sea under the leadership of Moses. God parted the Jordan River, a supernatural work, so that people could cross over into the promised land on dry ground. And in chapter 4, God commands his people to commemorate this great event, this parting of the Jordan River. And he gives them some specific instructions as to how they were to commemorate. He tells them, take 12 stones out of the bed of the river and take them with you. And the monument of the 12 stones will be used to commemorate this event. In fact, in Joshua 4 verse 7, the Bible says, So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a a memorial forever. That word translated memorial, zikaron in the Hebrew, refers to an object or event that serves as a reminder. So the people put these 12 stones together as a memorial, as a commemoration. They were commemorating the power of God's mighty act and the faithfulness of God's mighty act and bringing them into the promised land. And we learn from that a very important principle. We learn that God desires that His people remember His power and grace for their good and for His glory. Let me say that again. God desires that His people remember His power and grace for their good and for His glory. Every time they would look at the stones taken out of the bed of the Jordan River, the people would remember God's power. They would remember God's faithfulness. This would be good for them to remember, to keep their focus upon the Lord, and it would glorify the Lord who did the mighty act. And so you say, Pastor Way, 12 Stones Initiative. We've seen some shirts around. I appreciate my free advertisement this morning. A lot of people wearing the 12 Stones shirts. What is it all about? Well, let me tell you what the 12 Stones Initiative is. The 12 Stones Initiative is designed to commemorate the work of God performed through His people who take steps of obedient faith. The 12 Stones Initiative is designed to commemorate the work of God performed through His people who take steps of obedient faith. So here's the deal. We've got some some goals, some milestones we are asking God to allow us to see come to fruition in the life of our church. And every time we reach one of those goals, one of those milestones, we're going to take a stone, a literal stone, and we're going to begin to stack those stones up until we get to 12. I want to show you a picture of what that might look like. Something like this. A literal stone commemoration of God's faithfulness through the body of First Baptist Church of Fort Walton Beach. And every time we, we get to one of those 12 stones and see God blessed by us reaching that goal, we'll place a stone on the stage and we'll see God's faithfulness in that. That's what the 12 Stones Initiative is all about. Now, this is going to do three things for us. First of all, this will give us focus. It'll keep us focused on who we are and and how God is leading us as a church family. I I want you to understand as we kick off the 12 Stones initiative that nothing is changing. We're going to continue to pursue who God has called us to be. That means we want to be a church that abides in Christ and advances the gospel. 
Back in 2019, we designed a brand new logo. You see it there on the screen. The cross is in the middle, which reminds us that Jesus is central to all that we do. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Amen? He's central to all that we do. But you notice in that, that logo, uh, there is a, a, it's in a circular uh, shape, which reminds us of a globe. Reminds us of a world that needs Jesus. But notice the, the water. Notice the waves there. That reminds us that God has put us in Fort Walton Beach. We live at the beach. Isn't that awesome? We live at the beach. God has placed us here to make much of Jesus. And from here to take his name to the ends of the earth, the globe. That's what that, that logo is all about. And we're reminded that we're called to abide in Christ, stay close to Jesus so that he can work in and through us and bear fruit through our lives so we can then advance the gospel and share Jesus with those who desperately need to hear of his salvation. So that's not changing. Our primary focus, our vision is to abide in Christ and advance the gospel. And here's how we do that. We have a a strategy. We call it the discipleship path. I've shared this before, but I want to share it again. We're going to talk about it a lot so you will remember this path. We want to see people take this journey. And the journey begins with being saved and baptized. It begins with someone hearing the good news that Jesus saves, giving their life to Jesus and in obedience to the Great Commission, being baptized as an outward marker of their inward transformation, saved and baptized. And then after someone is saved and baptized, we want to see them connected to the body of Christ. We have smaller group Bible studies where people can meet with a group of people in their similar stage or phase of life. They can get to know some folks. They can, they can experience ministry in the context of that smaller group. They can build relationships. They study God's Word together. We call these Bible studies, which meet at 9 o'clock, by the way, on our campus, we call those connection points where people get out of the big room where you can get lost in the crowd and begin to actually build some relationships in the body of Christ. If you have questions about that, we're going to talk some more about Bible studies in the next few weeks. But but come talk to one of us staff members so we can get you pointed in the right direction. Connected, but then we want people to really be challenged to experience accelerated sanctification in their lives. We want to see people experiencing Christ-likeness, growth in Christ-likeness. And we call this the the, the growing part of our discipleship path. We have a strategy for that. It's called D-Groups. We'll, you'll be hearing more about D-groups in the next couple of months. We're starting a new round of D-groups. One of the 12 stones deals with D-groups, where we want to see people in a group of three to five folks, gender-specific, where they're really being challenged to read the Word of God and respond to the Word of God and to grow in Christ. That's connected and growing. But then... When someone has been saved and baptized, they're connected and they're growing, the journey's not over. We want to see folks grow to the point where they are actually serving others in the body of Christ and in our community. And we want them reaching out to others, going with the gospel. That's the discipleship path. This is not changing. The 12 Stones Initiative celebrates milestones as we seek to make disciples with this 
strategy. And so this will give us focus, to focus on abiding and advancing, to focus on helping people to to navigate the journey of the discipleship path. But also this will give glory to God. We have these stones stacked up on our stage. We'll just say every time we put one on, thank you God for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. You are better to us than we deserve. God, you did it. We're celebrating a goal. We're celebrating a a milestone. But you did it, God. And we give you the glory. This will give God glory. But third, this initiative will affect generations. I think it's interesting to note in verse 21 that when the Lord gives these instructions to, to build a monument of stones from the Jordan River, He anticipates that there's coming a day where the younger generation will ask about these stones. He says there, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. In other words, when someone asks about the 12 stones, it's your opportunity to point them to God. It's your opportunity to to speak of the faithfulness and the, the power of God. And I believe that as we celebrate these milestones and put... 12 stones on the stage. Maybe some younger generations walking in with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa will say, what are, the, what are those stones? What, are, what is that? And it's just another opportunity for us to make much of Jesus. To talk about God's power. So it will give us focus and we'll give glory to God and this initiative will affect generations because after we've had them on the stage for a while, we'll put them somewhere in the church where people will see them for years and years and years to come. So the question is, all right, Pastor Wade, what are the 12 stones? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to share those 12 stones with you. It's going to take us five weeks. This week we're going to cover four stones, next week five, and then we'll take one per week for the last three. Those are some big things it's going to take a little bit longer to talk about. So I want to ask you to, to be here for each of those sermons. But let me just start with stone number one. Stone number one. Here it is. You ready? Here's the goal. Here's what we're looking for. We want to enter into strategic partnerships in all eight IMB affinities. Now, I know that takes some, some explanation. First of all, IMB stands for International Mission Board. It is the mission arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. We support the IMB through our cooperative program giving, through our Lottie Moon giving. We put a lot of financial resources behind the work of the International Mission Board. Every fall, we have a global impact conference. And we bring in IMB missionaries to hear about their work and to, to, to be encouraged by them and to try to encourage them as well. And so this first milestone has to do with working alongside of the strategy of all eight IMB affinities. It, it's partnership. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3-5. through five. He writes to the church in Philippi, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership, listen, in the gospel. 
from the first day until now. Paul's saying, I'm grateful, church in Philippi. I'm grateful you are partnering with me that the gospel may go out. I'm grateful for your partnership. And that's who we want to be as a church. We want to partner with our international mission board missionaries. Now, notice in that first stone it says, enter into strategic partnerships and all eight I and B affinities. What is an affinity? Well, the International Mission Board, to, to help us get our, our mind around all the peoples on the planet, has divided the peoples on the planet into eight different affinities. And our goal is to find missionaries in each of those eight affinities and partner with them to try to reach people in that affinity. An affinity, listen, is, it, it speaks of people who share a sense of kinship based on language, religion, culture, history. People that are bound together by their background, by the place they lived, or their ethnicity, or their language. We're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to partner with IMB missionaries in each of the eight affinities. And I want to just define real quick what I mean by strategic partnerships. What does it mean to partner with a missionary? It means that we support IMB missionaries through consistent and targeted prayer, by sending multiple short-term teams, we'll talk some more about that in a few moments, to help further their strategy, and we partner by looking for ways to encourage and nurture their family. Love the movie Toy Story. Brings about fond memories of my kids being little and watching that movie. But one of the famous songs from Toy Story is, You've Got a Friend in Me. Right? Raise your hand if you know that song. You got a friend in me? This first stone is us saying to International Mission Board missionaries, you got a friend at First Baptist Church. We are going to partner with you and encourage you and help you and provide resources and, and, and people and prayers to, to get the gospel out in the affinity that God has placed you in. So let me just real, real quick, let me talk to you about the eight IMB affinities, how the world is broken down from their perspective. First of all, they're European peoples. European peoples. This speaks of those who in, in a majority live in Western Europe, Central Europe, Eastern Europe. That's a broad swath of geography, a lot of diversity among European peoples. We've already got a partnership there, by the way, so check on that one. We've got some good friends in Namur, Belgium, and we've sent a team. We're going to send another team, and we have a Sunday school class, a Bible study that, that stays in contact with them and prays for them specifically, and, and, and we want to be good friends, ongoing friends to Justin and Angie and the work going on there in Belgium, right near the border of France, European peoples. North African and Middle East peoples, peoples that originate from the North African Middle Eastern part of the world. We know that that area of the world uh, is really under the sway of, of Islam. And there's great need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in that area. Very, these are very hard places to reach. Because in many of these places, missionaries are not allowed. And it's dangerous. But they need the gospel. Sub-Saharan African peoples. This is the continent of Africa underneath the Sahara Desert. Nations like Zimbabwe, Uganda, South Africa, Zambia, countries like that. We want to we partner with some missionaries in Sub-Saharan Africa and help them reach their people for Christ. 
Central Asian peoples. That's basically the Stans of the world. Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, those, those nations that are in Central Asia, Turkey, Pakistan, those, those areas are areas that are in great need of the gospel, very similar to the Middle East in terms of the, the sway of Islam and the need for Jesus. Central Asian peoples, you're writing this down? Central Asian peoples, South Asian peoples. This speaks of India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Nepal, people in, in uh, the South Asian part of the world, great need for the gospel. Many different religions there that are false religions. They need to hear about Jesus. The Asian Pacific Rim peoples. This is a huge affinity. It, it deals with China. It deals with Southeast Asia, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia. It deals with Indonesia, the Philippines, Japan, Korea, I mean, all of this is found in the, the Asian Pacific Rim peoples. We want to find a missionary there, some missionaries, and partner with them and say, we want to help you to get the gospel out in this affinity. American people speaks of people from North America, South America. I'm looking at American peoples by and large this morning. And then the eighth one is very interesting. It's deaf peoples. Do you know there are people all over this world from very different backgrounds, born in very different places, but are bound together by language. And the language is sign language. And it's interesting to note that there aren't a lot of people trying to reach deaf people in the world. But they're an unreached people group. And we're seeing IMB missionaries begin to target deaf peoples in different cities and countries and seeing churches started... Among the deaf. It's fascinating to see. So we want to find somebody doing some ministry among deaf peoples and partner with them. Now, I know that's a lot of strategic talk and you know denominational language, and you're thinking, what does this really I mean? What's this really mean for our church? Well, here's what it means: it means that people in this room this morning may find themselves one day soon. Walking into a village of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. And then gathering people together and telling the old, old story that Jesus came and died and rose so that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. That's practically what it means. We're going to send short-term teams to work with different missionaries in different areas of the world. And people in this room will engage unengaged, unreached people groups. That's what it means. Some of you are thinking, that'll never be me, Pastor Wade. Be careful what you say. In the very near future, some of you in this room may find yourselves in the middle of nowhere on the other side of the globe to share the gospel. It means that we may have a teenager this morning sitting here in this room that says, deaf people never thought about that. I'd love to reach deaf people. 
So I'm going to start learning sign language so one day I can share the gospel with the deaf. In fact, I'm going to get you started this morning. You ready? You ready? All right. I'm going to teach you something very simple, sign language. And I Googled it to make sure I'm right. Here's how I say Jesus loves you. All right. Touch your, your, your palm. Everybody, touch your palms. That's Jesus. Speaks of the nail prints in his hand. Jesus loves you. Isn't that, isn't that simple? Jesus loves you. What if we had some folks in this church that said, I'm going to learn sign language to the point I can articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ and help be a, a catalyst for deaf people coming to Christ and starting churches in this world. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? God grant it. We may have a couple in here right now Listen to me, a couple in here right now that says, you know what? When our church establishes these, these partnerships and gets them going, I'm going to pray about going and living in another part of the world and being a part of the team that missionary is building to help them get the gospel out. I would consider, Pastor Wade, I would consider moving somewhere in the world to be a part of this. There could be a couple in here right now. That's not even on your radar screen, but God may do that in your life. I've seen him do it many, many times. We may have a widow or a shut-in or someone with physical challenges that says, I can't go hike in the Himalayas. I, I can't do that. But if you get me names, if you get me specific needs, if you'll share with me some unreached people groups, I, Pastor Wade, I will take them to the throne of God and I will pray fervently and consistently that God would work among this people. Oh, that God might raise up prayer warriors to undergird this effort to establish strategic partnerships in all eight IMB affinities. This is thrilling stuff. This is the kind of stuff that, that changes the world. And listen, this is the kind of stuff that changes a church. You can't be involved in this and not be transformed as you see the power and grace of God going out to people that have never heard the name of Christ. It'll change our church. Very quickly, stone number two. That took a little longer than I thought. Stone number two. We want to plant a church. Now you need to understand that our church gives a lot to denominational work. When you give money to First Baptist Church, a portion of that goes on to the state convention and on to the national convention to do church planting in Florida and in North America. So we, uh, by virtue of the fact that we give, we are involved in starting new churches all over North America. That's exciting, amen? Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Annie Armstrong, that's another way you give to, to plant churches. McGuire State Mission Offering, it's another way you give to plant churches in Florida. That's awesome. But I'm not talking here about giving money to plant churches. I'm talking about our church directly starting a church from our church. That means that we identify the church planter, we train the church planter, 
We send the church planter out with our blessing and support to wherever God calls them to. And we continue to partner with that church plant as God grows that church. We're talking about starting a brand new church. Now this is not new to First Baptist Church. First Baptist has been involved in starting new works in our community. Cinco Baptist Church. Directly impacted by First Baptist being a part of starting that new church years and years ago. Florosa Baptist Church down 98. First Baptist Church was directly involved in starting that new work years and years ago. And so this is not new. It's been a while, but this is not new. We are going, by God's grace and for God's glory, to plant a church. Over in Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. We talked about the ends of the earth. All late IMB affinities, but also we want to be involved in reaching our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria by starting new churches. Listen to me. We do, if, if, if someone tells you we have too many churches, they don't know what they're talking about. Because just drive around on a Sunday and see the tens of thousands of people, even in Okaloosa County, that aren't going anywhere. And if they all showed up on the same Sunday, we wouldn't have room for them in our existing churches. The way you reach people is by starting churches that start churches that start churches. So we've got our budget, a church plant residency. We're about to go live this first quarter of the year promoting that. And so if all that falls into place, that means that hopefully this year, middle part of the year, something like that, We'll bring on staff a church plant intern or resident. They'll be here if they're married. They'll be here with their spouse. And we'll train them, equip them. They'll be involved in ministry in the life of First Baptist Church. They'll get to know you, which they need to because you're great folks. And you'll encourage them and bless them. And so they'll get to know you. And then with our blessing and our support, we'll send them out to start a brand new church. That's exciting. Listen to me, that's something that, if done correctly, by the grace of God, will outlive you and me. How cool would that be? That even when we go to heaven, because of our efforts, there's still gospel ministry continuing. Plant a church. I've got some friendships with past residents and interns. My previous church, we did this. We trained some guys and sent them out. And Claire and I were talking about it last night. I get calls from those guys all the time. All the time. They're they're dear friends in the gospel. I love to hear about what God is doing in their churches. And we have that connection because we intentionally invested in them to send them out. Plant a church. Number three, very quickly. By the way, this is not the only time you'll hear these things. We'll keep them repeated. But stone number three, we want to send out five short-term mission teams per year. Now this kind of relates to number one. If we have partnerships in these affinities, then it's just going to, uh, it's going to, it's just going to be a, a practical thing that we're sending teams to work with these missionaries. So as we partner with more affinities, we'll send out more teams. And the, the goal we want to celebrate is this. We want to celebrate when we are sending out five teams a year. When we get there, we'll put a stone on the stage. Now, this year, or last year, 2023, we sent out two teams. So we're only talking about three more teams. We should get there fairly quickly. Five teams a year going out to do ministry. 
Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and, and of the Holy Spirit. We're to go and make disciples of all the nations. We're going to send more and more and more teams out from this church. We will have many Sundays where we have a group of people right here at the bottom of these stairs and we're praying over them, commissioning them to send them out to do work in some affinity we're sending them to. That stone number three. And here's stone number four. Give $250,000 combined amount to Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, Annie Armstrong Easter Offering, and McGuire State Mission Offering. That means we put our money where our mouth is. We're not just talking about missions. We're supporting it financially, which this church does wonderfully. But we're going to up the ante a bit. Over in 3 John 5-8, through 8, John writes, It is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. He's talking about people that had come and visited their church that were going from their church to share the gospel somewhere. He says, They testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. In other words, when you find somebody that is, that is focused on Jesus and wants to share the gospel among the unreached, you should support them. And again, our avenue for support is the International Mission Board. And we want to, we want to give to these offerings in an ongoing manner. In 2023, to give you some math, we gave about $159,000 total to these three offerings. That is not insignificant. That is awesome. Can I get an Amen. So we're about $91,000 away. We may reach that this year. We may give a quarter of a million dollars to these three entities this year. Think about that. And when we do, we'll put a stone on the stage and say, God, thank you for using your people and their resources to make a difference. And so, stone number one. When we have a partnership in every one of the eight IMB affinities, we'll put, a, we'll put a stone on the stage. Stone number two. When we plant a church directly from our church, we'll put a stone on the stage. And hopefully that will be the first of many. When we send out at least five short-term mission teams per year, we'll put a stone on the stage. When we give a quarter of a million dollars combined amount to these mission offerings, state national, global, when we do that, we'll put a stone on the stage and we'll celebrate God's faithfulness and His power working through the body called First Baptist Church. And so, these are big goals. They're not small goals, they're big goals. Now next week, we're going to talk some more about local ministry. This week we're thinking about kind of global ministry, church planting ministry. We're talking about some more local ministry, some big goals I'm excited about sharing with you next week. Some exciting things. But here's, here's the heart behind the first four stones on the 12 Stones Initiative. Our goal, our desire, our passion is that the sun will never set on the impact that FBC, FWB is having around the world. In other words, 
anywhere the sun is shining, First Baptist in some way, shape, or form is impacting ministry there and mission there. So the gospel is advancing there all around the world. Can you imagine what it would be like to celebrate that in the life of our church? This morning, Claire and I were listening to an old Casting Crown song titled Voice of Truth. And the first, the first stanza really got to me, and I began to think about that stanza in relation to what I'm asking you to pursue and be about as a church family. And here's the first stanza. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat I'm in, speaking of Peter, onto the crashing waves. Now listen to this next line. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. And he's holding out his hand. I feel like what God is doing at First Baptist Church in this season, as we kick off these 12 stones, this initiative, I feel like in a, in a way Jesus is holding out his hand. He says, if you'll take my hand and follow me wherever I lead, wherever I send, I will take you into the, into the realm of the unknown." Out of your comfort zone. But your life will matter. Your life will count. From the eternal perspective, you'll make a difference in this world. Your life will outlive you. And so I'm asking you this as we think about the first four stones. Are you willing by faith? To take the hand of Jesus and let him pull you out of your comfort zone into the unknown for the glory of his great name. This is a moment in our church where Jesus is holding out his hand. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.